Section 85 of The Catholic's Ready Answer. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by V.T. Dave. Self-Denial. Objection. Self-denial cannot be a virtue. It is a repressing of the sensuous inclinations, and yet these inclinations have been implanted in our souls by God Himself. The Answer It is undoubtedly true that these inclinations have been implanted in our natures by God Himself. The only question that concerns us is why they were implanted in our natures. They were not planted there to rule, but to serve. God loves order, and order requires that the lower be subject to the higher. The reverse of this would be endless disorder. Unfortunately, it so happens that the sensuous or lower parts of our nature strives to assert itself against the higher or rational part. Hence, if it is God's will that reason should hold the mastery, reason must exert itself in repressing the sensuous appetites. This is the philosophy of self-denial. Self-denial, so far from destroying or rendering useless any parts of our nature, simply confines the sensuous appetites within just bounds, and then leads them to the enjoyment of a vast range of sensuous yet lawful pleasures. But although the essential aim of self-denial is repression, and its immediate effect a diminution of pleasure, it really secures, in the long run, for those who cultivate it, a much greater sum of personal happiness that is secured by unrestrained indulgence. It saves us from the tyranny of passion. Even in heaven, after the resurrection, we shall retain the sensuous part of our nature. But it will be so completely under the domination of reason, or rather, it will be so entirely absorbed in the divine life of the soul, that self-denial will have nothing to act upon. But this state is reserved for those who in this life preserve themselves from all defilement by mortifying their natural inclinations, and thus win a title to the possession of eternal joys. The so-called healthy life of the senses of modern times is simply a sinful subjection of the higher to the lower part of our nature. It is a sinful and cowardly yielding to natural instincts, unrestrained in many cases even by certain prospect of serious bodily detriment. It knows nothing even of the restraints imposed of old by the higher types of Epicureanism, which practiced a degree of self-denial which was seen to be absolutely necessary as a means of preventing pleasure from growing sour to the taste of reason by its very excess, or from producing after-effects which would more than outweigh the pleasures of indulgence. Pleasure was indeed the ultimate object of the Epicurean, but he saw the excess in the desire for pleasure was an obstacle to its attainment. Confine your desires to the limits within which you can satisfy them, was the maxim of Epicurus. Now, we are not aware that this particular phase of Epicureanism has ever been condemned by our modern hedonists. But when Christianity comes forward and counsels a restraint of the passions, and that too in a nobler spirit and with motives more elevating, it is scornfully assailed as an inveterate enemy of man's happiness. The Christian reader need not be reminded that at the background of Christian belief and practice in this matter, there is a group of historical facts vouched for by Holy Writ and the Church of God. God was so good to give man in the beginning an antidote against concupiscence, and consequently a preventative 
of warfare between reason and passion. This was one of the privileges of the state of primitive innocence. By a special grace, reason was perpetually in the ascendant. The passions, blind themselves, submitted to the guidance of reason. And self-denial was not the irksome or painful task it so often proves today. It was not long, however, before this privileged state was forfeited by man's transgression. And then for the first time, he knew the force and stress of concupiscence and felt the necessity of using force to subdue it. But God did not leave him to struggle alone. Through the redemption, he made available for him an abundance of interior grace by which the native powers of the will were reinforced and enabled to struggle successfully on the side of reason. The result of such successful struggling is the reduction, and in some cases all but the annihilation, of concupiscence and the consequent establishment of the reign of peace in the soul. Peace is indeed the inseparable companion of self-denial. End of section 85